The Growing Destinations podcast is brought to you by Experience Rochester. Learn more about Minnesota's third largest city, which is home to Mayo Clinic and features wonderful recreational and entertainment opportunities by visiting experiencerochestermn.com. When we started talking about thesis and the beer project side of things, one of the things I always said was if we're going to be in Rochester long term, that that's a big part of my life and we need to do something to at least help make that scene better. If I'm going to be here, I need live music. Welcome to the Growing Destinations podcast, where we take a deep dive into destination development and focus on a wide range of topics from tourism and entertainment to economic development and entrepreneurism and much more. I'm your host, Bill Von Bank. In Rochester, Minnesota, the intersection of beer and music can be found at Thesis Beer Project. My guest today is Adam Fredrickson. He and his wife opened the microbrewery in 2019. While 2022 proved to be a good year for Thesis, the pandemic was a big challenge for Rochester's newest taproom. But they learned a lot and pivoted to a new business model. From the beginning, Adam set out for Thesis to be a preferred music venue and a hub for musicians. And the community has enthusiastically responded. We're on location at Thesis Beer Project in Rochester, Minnesota, and I'm joined today by Adam Fredrickson, who's the owner of Thesis Beer Project. Adam, welcome to the Growing Destinations podcast. Thank you for having me. Before we get into all things beer and, and music, too, I want to learn a little bit more about you. I'm uh, originally from this area. Southeast Minnesota. Yep, Southeast Minnesota, Cass and Manorville, about 20 miles away from here. Uh, graduated in 2004, spent some uh, college time over in Mankato. And uh, eventually uh, graduated and left, uh, moved out to the uh, L.A. Long Beach area to be a digital movie editor. And uh, did that for a number of years, worked for ESPN, got to uh, see a lot of cool things, do a lot of traveling, a lot of video and editing work. And uh, eventually lost my job at ESPN. Our show got shut down and I uh, moved back here to Minnesota and relocated to Rochester My family was all here, found a job in IT and worked at a place for a long time that I really loved. All the while had uh, met my now wife and found that we shared a very similar interest in our love of beer. Um, I had uh, learned how to homebrew in college. She uh, was part of a homebrew group at her college. And when we started dating, it was something that we used as kind of something to bring us together. So While I was working this IT job, we were spending a lot of our nights and weekends uh, brewing at home, getting way too serious about beer. (laughs) And uh, over time, it became apparent that I think I cared a lot more about making beer at home and the science behind making beer than I did about my day job. And she was kind enough to encourage me to take a take a change and uh, go to school, back to school for uh, for brewing. And uh, so I quit my job. I uh, went to the Siebel Institute in Chicago. It was one of the few brewing schools at the time. And while I was starting that program, a job opened up in Rochester at Grand Rounds. It no longer exists. And I got my first beer job. Your first beer job at another establishment. Ultimately, in 2019, you and your wife opened Thesis Beer Project. Yeah. Um, not far from the St. Mary's campus, the Mayo Clinic St. Mary's campus here in Rochester. So tell us the early days of deciding to open a brewery, a uh, daunting task. Yeah, uh, it was one of those things that we, uh, we always joke. It, it, it started out as a joke. It was 
hey, maybe we could do our own thing. And then you drive by a building and say, oh, I could, I could picture a brewery there. And then you start visualizing where in Rochester it would be. And, you know, one thing leads to another, and then you're actually looking at a building, and then you're signing a lease. And before you know it, the joke turns into a very real thing. And um, all the while that, that process was going on, we, we kind of have an interesting path. My wife was an MD-PhD student at the time here at Mayo, so um, that path um, always had some kind of open-ended questions for where we would actually end up. Um, there was always a really good chance that we would be here in Rochester long-term, but we could have really been anywhere. So while we were making all these decisions and looking at buildings, there was always this possibility that actually in two years we'd live in New York or Pittsburgh or not here. But the dream was always Rochester. So the way things kind of got finalized, that thesis, when match day hit and we found out that Allison would actually be doing her residency here, within a couple of days after that, we signed the lease on the building we're currently sitting in. We wanted to make sure we'd be in Rochester, obviously, to start the brewery here. But yeah, it, uh, you know, it started as a joke, and um, the family that owns this building actually, once upon a time, um, this, they had a distribution business here in Rochester, and when they wanted to start their um, realty like construction business and have buildings and property, this was the first building they ever built. So this building itself is actually built from Rochester beer money like 60, 70 years ago, serendipity for you yeah and the reason we fell in love with it was when we were touring it the uh the lady that owns it had already researched us and knew we wanted to put a brewery in here and she said so when are you going to ask me if you can build a brewery in this building because we'd love to say yes and that's uh, happened actually right over in this corner where we're sitting so and the noise we're hearing i think i just heard a keg yeah i'm sure you'll hear some kegs dropping i think they're cleaning cleaning kegs back there today all good where did the name thesis beer project come from yeah, uh, like I said, my, my wife was uh, doing her MD-PhD work here at the clinic. And uh, while we were looking at doing the brewery, she was finishing up her thesis. And as we were working with our branding team to come up with um, you know, the, the looks and the visuals and the ideas here at the brewery, um, we often joked that you know, we were, Allison was working on her thesis at Mayo while we were also working on this kind of separate beer thesis here. And it stuck. It was kind of, a, again, a joking name, but the more we used it, the more common it became. And eventually, yeah, this was you know, kind of a secondary thesis for us. And, and beer project is something we always wanted to have as part of that name too, because it's more than beer for us. I mean, I think we'll touch on that a little bit, but from the music aspect, art, community impact, um, you know, beer is one part of what we do, but the, the other part of this business is that it's an ongoing project that's ever evolving. When you opened, did you already have some crafted beers that you knew were ready? Yeah. When we, you know, we opened with, I think, I think we opened with eight initial beers and most of those recipes have been something that, you know, we had been working on either from homebrew days or things I had tinkered with at other breweries. You know, by the time we opened here, I had brewed at almost every other place here in town for a number of years. So it gets to be a certain point when you make beer that once you know how to make and formulate good beers, you don't necessarily have to do them a number of times before they're ready to go. But yeah, I think our first eight to 10 beers were things that we had been working on for years. You opened just six months before the COVID-19 pandemic interrupted our lives. Share with us the impact the pandemic has had on your business. Uh, that was a roller coaster. We, um, you know, we, we got that first six-month honeymoon period where uh, we were crazy busy and, and life was great and uh, came to a 
a screeching halt. And we went from, you know, having a, a full house in here and a concert, I think on a Saturday to the next day being closed. We had to lay off all of our employees except for me and one brewer. And we operated pretty much as a to-go only business for almost a year. So it went from, uh, you know, kind of things going uphill and, and feeling a lot of growth to, to having to pivot and um, really run a whole different business model than we were ever set up to do. So the room you're sitting in now was tables and chairs pushed everywhere. We had pallets and pallets of cans delivered here, and we pretty much ran a nonstop production line of just filling these big crowlers. And we'd have we'd take orders online and have people wait in their cars in the parking lot and you would run cars out or run bags of beer out, put it in their trunk, no physical interaction, no talking. You had people, you know, putting their IDs up to the window. It was, uh, it went from, you know, the idea of this place is, is very personal. It's very, you know, it's meant to be loud. It's meant to be communal and went from that to, you know, this very sterile thing where there was no interaction. It was a, it was a really weird time, but, but also it was, a. Uh, there was a lot of good that came from it too. Even though we were a pretty young business, it was really fun to see how the community rallied around the beer, the restaurant, the bar communities. There were a lot of days where you could have looked out back and there were cars you know, around the block. And we actually were very lucky to be able to survive that time, but it was all because the people in this community rallied behind us and they bought a ton of beer. How quickly did you have to recalibrate and, and start this whole assembly line thing? <laughs> uh, like over the course of a few days, it was, uh, you know, something I, I really think we went from being fully open to like partially open to completely closed in the matter of a week. And it was a very fast change. And then it was, you know, trying to figure out back then you didn't have from like at least a brewery standpoint, you didn't have beer available online to buy, you know, so it was all of a sudden, okay, who knows how to build a website that you can sell cans on who can set up a ordering system where tickets are going to print out. And, and, you know, we don't have a canning line here in house. So it was, okay, how do we fill a thousand cans in a day between two guys? And then even then with the unknowns of the, the, the pandemic that early on, you know, it was doing all that stuff with masks and gloves. And there was just a whole, whole added element of unknown. Um, but it was a, it was an interesting time. I look back at, look back on it actually rather fondly. We learned a lot about ourselves and we were able to keep this place alive. And I think a lot of the, uh, the goodwill that we, we have working these days is from a lot of the people and the, the stuff that we did during that time. With the COVID restrictions lifted, have you been able to make up for some lost time? Yeah, <laughs> make up is tough. Um, we, so the way we look at this past year is really our first full year in business. So we, you know, even though 2022, we just, yeah, we just, we celebrated three years of being open in August but this past year is our first solid 12 months of actually seeing what it's like to be open without restrictions. And for, you know, for better or worse, what we found out last year was that, you know, our business model from early on opening was correct. This past year we did, we did the business we wanted to in year one. That's good. Um, it's not great that we're doing it technically in the year, start three. Of year three here, year four. Yeah. But it was, it was a really good year and it was fun to be able to actually plan and schedule and, and, you know, not be scared of bringing people together. And it also proved that we, we can do what we want to do. And it's given us a lot of hope and kind of uh, reinvigorated things for this year. From the beginning, you set out to differentiate thesis as a preferred music venue and a hub for musicians. Why? Live music, uh, you know, I said my 
wife and I kind of fell in love over beer. If we weren't making beer, we were traveling somewhere to see live music. There was a time where we would uh, twice a week travel up to First Avenue. In Minneapolis. Yep, to see live music. And, and mainly that was because there just wasn't enough to see here. Um, there's always been places where you can see a solo artists or maybe a duo somewhere, but actual shows um, outside of, you know, some of the bigger things that we get brought to the Civic Center. There's not a whole lot of, you know, everyday live music in this town. And when we started talking about thesis and the beer project side of things, one of the things I always said was if we're going to be in Rochester long term, that that's a big part of my life and we need to do something to at least help make that scene better. If I'm going to be here, I need live music. And if I feel that way, there has to be a bunch of other people that feel that way too. So from day one, we, we had a stage put in here um, and our sound system. I think we're on our fourth stage at this point. It's, it started out relatively small and now it's you know a, a big part of our tap room. Live music was always part of here, probably selfishly for me, but also, um, yeah, something to set us apart. You know, there's five or six breweries here in town now they all do something kind of unique but this is one thing that that really sets us apart if you want to not everybody wants to be part of a very loud show on a friday or saturday night but there's also a lot of people that do and that's just something that that makes us a little different how does it work then do you primarily stay local with the bands or do you recruit from outside of the area and are they free or a combination of ticketed and free yeah yeah kind of a combo on both sides we do I would say half local music. Rochester has a real nice thriving scene here these days. We could probably fill our books fully with just local bands. But what I'd say we do about a 50-50 mix between local and Midwest acts. A lot of our other bands either come from Winona, the Twin Cities, the Dakotas, Wisconsin. Um, so I would, you know, good mix of both. And uh, Ticketed, non-ticketed, for the past few years, we've done solely non-ticketed shows. Um, Rochester is historically not a ticket-buying community for one reason or another, but also as we see this scene grow, it's something we feel like we have to change a little bit. And uh, actually, I'm very excited to say that two days from now, we have our first ever sold-out ticketed show here at Thesis um, with uh, them Cooley Boys and Clay Fulton in the Lost 40. So our our first big foray into a ticketed show sold out. It's great. That's, that's a, that's a good sign of things to come. And what that means for us and the music community in Rochester is that we can actually grab a national touring act like them Cooley boys and sell enough tickets to pay them, bring them here. And at least on the business side, we aren't having to sit here, be terrified that we're going to lose a bunch of money or be negatively impacted by that. And at the same time, people in Rochester get to come see a band that, normally wouldn't stop in Rochester and, and play a ticketed show. I'm intrigued by your music residency program. Can you share more details? That's kind of the, uh, the heart and soul of our music uh, program here at Thesis. So it started uh, the month we opened, even throughout the pandemic and even something that we did while we were shut down with, um, during COVID. We actually kept this going that whole time. We did a lot of live streaming. Um, we never stopped the residency program. Every Wednesday night, 7 to 10 p.m., we pick a different band or a different artist every month. We try to keep that really local focused if possible or as, as local to Rochester as we can. We let that artist over the course of a month bring in different openers to perform with them and try to kind of over the course of a month showcase whatever it is that they'd like to showcase about themselves. So um, an example would be this month we have uh, Lasonia Natividad is our resident and Lasonia is part of five or six different musical acts. So over the course of this month, we've seen her 
as part of a jazz ensemble. We've seen her and her funk and soul group. Tonight, it's a, a, just an acoustic setup. So it allows these artists to showcase all of their talents, but also if you were a regular customer, you came in every Wednesday over the course of a month, you'd get to see not only a different act open up every week for these people, so you'd get to see four new artists. You'd also see the full range of whatever these artists want to show you. And that's, you know, hopefully it's a two-way street. We get to meet all these um, openers, but uh, also our customers that come in, hopefully they find a whole bunch of new music that they can then follow and go see at other places in town. Are you actively recruiting or do bands come to you? A mix. Um, we get, uh, we get more, more requests from people coming here than we really know what to do with these days. We, um, as much as we love live music, it's, it's a part of our business. So we do the Wednesdays and then we do Fridays for sure and some Saturdays. So let's say three shows a week um, maximum. And we have something like 400 requests in for this year already. And, wow. we're, you know, so we, we would never even be able to put that many people on stage over the course of a full year. So you are building a reputation. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been nice. And then it's, then it's a mix of, you know, we, we have music and styles that we want to see on stage and we have people that have played here in the past that we know do well. We want to bring them back. It's a nice problem to have, but it's also a little daunting trying to figure out, you know, as we look forward to this next year, how do we fill the stage and now we have this extra, this ticketed um, option kind of throwing another curveball at us where all of a sudden we can start looking out to the future and saying, let's bring in these bands that we couldn't have gotten before. It, so it's exciting. It's a lot of work. We have some nice partners here in town that help us do some of our booking. We do some. We don't do it all alone for sure, but it is a, it's a great problem to have. And, and I'd say right, I think right now we're booked out through um, like late April, early May and hoping to probably book the be done with the first half of the year here relatively soon. Last year, the Minnesota legislature rewrote some liquor laws that gives tap rooms and microbreweries more options to sell their products to consumers. What exactly are the changes and are you implementing them? It's a, it's a really exciting time. Uh, Minnesota's uh, been <laughs> behind the other states around us for a long time as far as uh, these can laws are concerned. We didn't get everything that we wanted, but there's a lot of positive changes that did come. The main one being that instead of these big cans that we've had to sell historically, these um, you know, 750 milliliter cans, we can now do 12 ounce cans and 16 ounce cans, and we can actually sell them over our bar. So what that means in our case is uh, we just recently invested in a small canning line, should be here not too long from now. And not only will we'll be able to sell those cans over the bar, but you're going to see 12 ounce, 16 ounce, four packs of thesis beer, you know, in liquor stores in Rochester at the civic center, hopefully at other places where music is involved. It allows us to spread our reach. And uh, a year ago, we never would have imagined investing in a small canning line because we couldn't have even sold those cans over our bar. So it's a, it's a really nice change. And yeah, hopefully it allows us to grow our footprint a little bit and, um, yeah, at the very least, be a lot more visible um, in the community from a can and branding standpoint. As you look to the future, what are your growth plans? You know, that part of it is what we just touched on there. I think with the cans, you know, over the next year, we'll hopefully see a lot more thesis beer out in the wild and then uh, continuing to grow the music scene here, hopefully by doing some more of these ticketed shows. We do have a dream for some physical growth here inside, but a lot of that is determined by neighbors and, and other businesses and things. And, uh, you know, a lot of that's some logistical stuff we're working for, um, through it. Dream would be that a, a bus- bigger physical footprint in here at some point, knock down some walls and add a little more space for some of these shows. But the start will be 
continuing to fill it up in here with the the footprint we have, um, getting more beer out in the community and seeing what, uh, I guess, technically year two in business looks like. Thesis has been described as the heart of Rochester's music scene that by the Post Bulletin. Great start and congratulations on your success in 2022 coming out of COVID. Best wishes to you and thanks for being our guest, Adam, thanks on for the Growing Destinations podcast. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to the Growing Destinations podcast. And don't forget to subscribe. This podcast is brought to you by Experience Rochester. Find out more about Rochester, Minnesota and its growing arts and culture scene its international culinary flavors, and award-winning craft beer by visiting experiencerochestermn.com.